Hello, and welcome to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. In today's episode, we will be workshopping a story written by our good friend Andy called Big Belly. So, as per usual, we will first hear from the author himself a little bit more about what his story is and why he wrote it, and then we will dive into our workshop where we will all share something that we liked about it and something that we think he could improve upon, and then we'll get into our usual discussion. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. So Andy, give us, if you will, a brief summary of what we will be workshopping today. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, the prologue to what I imagine to be a, uh, I guess, a novella or a novel. I'm not sure of total length at this point. Um, detail uh, the the whole novel will be detailing the life of a dragon named Big Belly, but the prologue just goes into um, I guess, uh, the life of Big Belly's mother, um, who's a, a female dragon, um, from, uh, a time when dragons ruled the world, um, and, uh, should, should I give a full story description, or just? I guess just what happens in the story that, that we're reading, in, yes. so in the prologue. Okay, uh, yeah, in the, in the prologue, so Markelia, um, like, heads out to, you know, put down some malcontents, some people who won't bow to the dragon empire, um, and gets, uh, extremely murdered by the creatures of the forest, um, and they, uh, reveal to her that this, the forest she came to is sort of like a a refugee forest uh, of people who have been uh, dislocated from their homes or have had, or have lost family to the dragon empire. Um, and then they, they, they finish murdering her uh, and discover at the very end uh, the, the, that she had an egg um, with a large scratch down it from when they were attacking her. Um, and uh, you know, I I hope it doesn't surprise anyone. The egg is Big Belly. It's the main character of the of the novel or the novella, and this is the start of his, this is the how he he came to be the in the place where he was. That was honestly such a huge surprise for me. I forgot that this was about Big Belly, <laughs> and then I got to the end. I was like, oh, this is about a different dragon. Um, yes. But uh, so but the other question that I've been asking everyone is. Um, what made you write this story? Like, what was the inspiration for this story? Uh, yeah, so I'm writing another other novel, um, which is also set in this world, but just, like, I think, like, 1,500 years later. I, I don't know the exact number of years, but it's, like, way, way later. There aren't even many dragons around at that point. They're all hanging out in the afterlife. Um, uh, and there's a whole age of gods has come and passed. And, like, that's a very serious story, uh, you know, uh, written 
for my graduate program as much as anything else and i hope to one day have it published um but like because it's a program for a graduate program which is i feel like i have to write something heavy and emotional um i i felt like i have all this world building i set up this world i'm just gonna write like a story about a dragon named big belly who hangs out in the forest and fights the the imperialist dragons and like it's just the like the the most fun I thought I could have while you know making use of the the work that I I had already done while not interfering with that in any way. I'm just like just kind of a fun side project um, that I'm working on to to balance the more heavy emotional stuff that I'm spending much more of my time on. That sounds awesome. I mean, it was definitely fun aside from the fact of a dragon being murdered, um, which we we do not approve of on this podcast as all dragons are good dragons. Yes. But, um... <laughs> Big Belly is a very good boy. Let me tell you. Um, uh, we haven't gotten to Big Belly at all yet in, co- in content, but he likes, he likes to be snuggled and he likes scritches. So he is a good boy. Okay. Wonderful. That sounds better. And I guess the last thing, um, I suppose you already touched on this, but what do you hope people get out of this story? If people were to read, this this fun story that you you did yeah yeah you know it's just like i don't know i'm hoping to become a professional writer one day part of what i hope i get out of it is that they're gonna buy more of my books um but uh the i mean the main thing i'm i'm hoping is that it's just a it's just a good time it's just uh it's just hanging out with a dragon it's just living in this world i spent a lot of time creating and um uh, but in a way that's you know a little bit more laid back. I hope it's uh, you know I think that I'm prob I might even because it's it is kind of nice and I've been having to because of grad school the demands of just like having to meet deadlines and so forth. Been working on the more serious stuff more often. But I do find that like you know I if I bifurcate my time um, between the serious and the not serious that hopefully uh, you know like. Uh, this will be like become a trend for me like on a day when i want to write something serious that's what i do on a day when i can't when i don't have the energy for that i can write something silly so my hope is that like i'll uh, it, it will become a trend for me and for future hypothetical readers i'm getting i'm putting the cart way above the uh, ahead of the horse here since i currently have exactly no books sold but it ideally in the ideal future is that there will be like fun books for people to read uh and to just you know kind of relax with and more serious books that are you know sort of high higher drama stuff that's awesome and especially just relatable the sense of like switching back and forth between writing something serious and and fun yeah, I've been working on a Star Wars fanfic. Nice, is <laughs> my my fun side uh, project. Yeah, speaking of Star Wars, like the, the the main thing I'm writing, like I like to think of as sort of being like this world's Andor season one. Um, it's very much a like why do we rebel kind of book, uh, and it's so it's like it is that level of like oh, like man, I need I need a drink after I finish this. <laughs> I, I, I do have to thank you for um, making me do this because as I was reading it out loud, I'm like, oh, that was bad. Like, oh, there was a there was a typo there. And I'm like going through like wait with a much more finer tooth comb. So like making myself say it all out loud. I'm like, oh, I have so much editing that I can do in the future now because I like I caught things. And I'm like, oh, that was repetitious. That could have been better there, like kind of sloppy in X, Y, Z section. So like uh, I, I really appreciate uh, just the, just the process of recording is. Has, has given me a lot uh to to work on 
And now on to the workshop. Okay, so I really loved the world building and the setting. It seemed like really well thought out, like there was clear intention and thought behind it. And I thought that the characters were well like defined. So like on the world aspect, it was like really clear and decisive. Um, but on the grow aspect, I also wanted some things to be clearer because some of the word uses tripped me up. Like, I loved how it was kind of sometimes dipping into archaic ways of saying things because it was set so far in the past, but then sometimes there were, like, words that have only been in use for the last couple decades, and it kind of took me out of the story to be like, are these really advanced dragons? Or is this a narration rather than a story that is being told as it is happening? Um, yeah, and sometimes sentences were like seemingly over complex, which kind of also threw me off. And like um, the first section is all about this well not the first section but after the word prologue the first section the paragraph is all about this beautiful dragon flying overhead of this forest and then uh you say meanwhile and then mention a character name and then i thought they were different dragons in different places because the word meanwhile to me was like ah we have changed scenes but we did not change scenes and that confused me a lot um so like sometimes the clarity of the actual words used were not... I, I don't know what word to use, um, but, like, they weren't as... It wasn't as straightforward, because you really want to, like, simplify sentences so they're, like, really easy to understand, and sometimes you don't want to do that because you want to follow, like, a style, but it's always better to, like, make things less wordy so that the most amount of people can understand you as possible because then the readers will be able to enjoy it more. So for my glow I would say there was a great sense of world building and even throwing a little bit of like I'd say character development especially in that beginning part when you introduce the dragon who has all of these somewhat pretentious names but he was known as Big Belly I believe is what it says and I'm like I love that switch. Uh, I think that does a lot to describe the society and to an extent the dragons themselves and the world building. All of the different creatures that are in it is really awesome. I love when the wind one comes in that I'm forgetting the name of right now. Thunder Wayne. I love when that one comes in. That's a really awesome thing. But there are some funky things going on. Also, I would say with the wordage, I too thought that the beginning was switching who it was about. At first, I sort of forgot that that, I, like, I was confused, and then I was like, no, it's two different people. And then I kept reading, and I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> so uh, eventually I did figure it out. But um, and, and sometimes things, like, I, I did love the entrance of the Thunder Wayne, but I was like, whoa, this is progressing quickly. And there are some 
jumps between, I'd say, style going on. Um, so I, really what I, I think it comes down to is just the word choice and placement. But I really did love the world building and the characterization. And I did. I also really liked the passage when she's talking about why she's out there. I thought that was really well written, too. So it was a fun read. Yeah, so I would say for my glow, I really liked the contrast between the character of Mercalia and then so her as a dragon being all superior and thinking that she's the greatest um, and all the, the race of dragons as a whole is the greatest. And then all of these small, apparently inferior beings um, managed to take her down completely and I think that was I guess it's I I think that's a really good um sort of theme contrast uh bit where yeah you you show the character through showing um her uh flawed ideology and then you show how her view is completely different from what the actual world is. I really, I just really liked that contrast. That was very, um, it showed a lot of the world through that. Um, now for, um, uh, grow, I think I would say that I, um, sort of hop on the train that everyone else has been saying. I really, really did like the world building. It was, um, there was a new thing, uh, a lot and, uh, you know, every few sentences and that was really cool. It was a lot different from our world, but I think that there might have been a little bit too much right at the beginning. Like it sort of um, was a bit overwhelming, in my opinion. Um, and I think that could possibly be uh, made a better by maybe explaining a little bit more what each new thing that you introduce is. I think, I mean, I did like it. I thought that this super complicated and complex world was really cool to, you know, jump into, but I think maybe it needed a little bit more um explanation for the different uh the new things. Like I was a little confused. I don't I don't know if this uh but I was a little confused when you said a Draken expedition um where the it had been previously called a dragon and I wasn't sure who the Draken were. So there was that. So I think just maybe a little bit more explanation for the different new things that you introduce uh, as as I was reading might have been um, a little bit less overwhelming. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Andy. I definitely, I mean, I love world building. So I was a big fan of the different fauna of this redleaf forest being introduced to us. I'm don't like the slinky cat. It just makes me think of some kind of weird mix between primate primate and cat, and I don't like that mixture. But the other ones I liked. <laughs> Especially the um, you know, the plant animal hybrids. Those were my favorite. And um I think the way they were described was just really great because it was very like succinct and easy to grasp, whereas like the cat part was also like, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to picture. Uh, which is fine because they're not main characters or anything. And they are a fictional sort of cat 
that swings from trees. So I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to picture, but it makes me uncomfortable. That's aside the point though. I really loved like the bear with pine needles for fur and I forget what the wolf had that was special. No, no, it was from the carnivore, so it didn't have the plant thing. Um, but I loved those um, descriptions for the plant people. But also to just hop a little bit onto the um, grow that they've been talking about, there were some inconsistencies with um, word usage or um, capitalization. Like uh, the plant group, like the napor, I forget what the word was, started with an N and it was capitalized at one point and not capitalized, but the e Evier or whatever the carnivores were that started with an E was never capitalized. Yeah, Napodra versus the um, Evier. And um, Evier were never capitalized, but Napodra was at one point, which for me signals different importances and different meanings. Well, I just, the first sentence after prologue where it said she-dragon, I was like, there's no reason to say she-dragon. We all know dragons... Um, that to me felt overly archaic, whereas the rest of the language to me didn't trip me up too much. I also did was not confused by the meanwhile, but I'm also the sort of writer myself that I like overly complicated, so I was like, this works with the way my brain works, I guess. Um, but I noticed that there were a couple of um, perspective shifts because the narrator is like a third person limited and it mostly focuses on Marcalia, who's the dragon we follow trying to imperialize the forest, but it shifts to her attackers at certain points in sort of jumps that I think could be done a little bit more smoothly. Also, just a, a question. It wasn't really specified when she was being attacked what her size is, and I didn't know, like, there were, like, grasshopper or um, praying mantis-type wooden praying mantis creatures that were attacking her. I didn't know what the size comparison was. So it was clear that she was being overwhelmed, but I wasn't sure by like what ratio, because it was earlier described that she was sitting on like a 30 foot tall tree and if some of its branches broke. So I knew that she's pretty big, but fictional dragons can range a lot in size. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And one of the driving aspects, which I loved how you kind of gave us sort of her inner monologue with talking about why she was in the forest, like what Caitlin said. But one of the driving aspects, um, which was also, I think, at the end of sort of a longish sentence, which I like long sentences, so I didn't have a problem too much with that. But it was really just that at the end of the long sentence, it was like the driver is actually this final reason, which is that she has a mate that she's not supposed to be mating with. And we're given to understand that it's some sort of law or societal prohibition against mating without the Empress's decree or blessing or whatever. And I don't think you need to go into all of the backward background world building that goes into that, but I think that sort of rule needs at least like a sentence or two devoted to why that rule exists. Like even if you want to keep it for foreshadowing of like the true reason is something you'll find out later. Um, since it is such a main driver of her actions, I think it confused me why the prohibition existed and why she couldn't just elope because it seemed like she could have had other options and maybe because she's part of the royal family or maybe because um, there she doesn't she w doesn't want to live in exile. I don't know why, but um, 
I thought a little bit of more reason why that would be the driver for her could be specified. But I did think it was very interesting that she was like the relative to the Empress. Um, although I think her role could be a little more clearly defined because she's only described as the niece of the Empress. And I think there is significant enough world building that like she might not think of herself as like a duchess or like Lady Marcalia or whatever, but I think um, maybe a little bit more clarification on why she would feel like the prerogative to go and imperialize the forest. Like, is she some sort of captain of the guard or something? Or is she just, like, young and stupid? Because that also says a lot about her character. Uh, a little bit of the perspective shifting, I think, also. Um, she describes the creatures that are attacking her as weeds, but it's not as consistent because she kind of switches between calling them guardians and calling them weeds. And I think when they're first shown... The first word that she uses is she's like, oh, these are the guardians of the forest, but I think of them as weeds. And I think it would be more effective to do it the opposite way, to say, these are weeds, and then later reveal, actually, they're the guardians of the forest, and she just, that's what comes to her mind first. But that's part of her prejudices. Because it, that part felt more like it was for the reader, but it wasn't as immersed in her thought process. But I did really enjoy the contrast, like what Julianne was saying, between her thoughts and the actual life in the forest. So, yeah, thank you for your story. It was really interesting to read. And I also loved the um, juxtaposition with, like, the big belly and origin myth feeling to it. Yeah, so what I really liked, like what everyone else said, I really liked the world building, I really liked all the creative creatures, I liked the Thunder Wayne, which is kind of like the Manta Ray, and I found it, I almost kind of, I kind of, kind of, almost funny how all these creatures were coming and like, piling onto this four dragon, and the, uh, like, uh, screw around with the forest, uh, don't screw around with the forest, I thought was funny, and I thought the ending was actually kind of nice because you kind of foreshadowed it at the beginning with this whole thing about oh this prohibition against mating and like oh i hope they don't found out that i mated with blah 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 and then it turns out there's he has like an egg at the end right so that was a nice uh, way to bring it back to the beginning so as for my grow i'm just thinking really i feel like there is a lot of tone shifts in the work but i think that's intentional because it's more like a comedy fantasy right but like the comedy is really coming from a lot of these swearing the dragon's perspective and then just uh some kind of absurdities but then there's like this epic fantasy aspect of this dragon and there's a kingdom and then there's the origin story right i'm just trying to think if it's balanced or from my perspective i'm i feel like it veers a little too dark in tone for me, maybe not for other people, but like usually I feel like in these uh, comedy fantasies, right? If, or it's not a comedy. Uh, okay, maybe not a comedy is, is maybe that's the wrong phrase to put it, but just the way the dragon thinks, it's very like lighthearted, like, oh, very lighthearted to me. Like comedy as in like calling a Marvel movie a comedy. It's very epic in tone. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, just because the dragon's motives seem very petty versus the scale of the adventures he's dressed into. That's that's what I'm saying. And the fact that at the end, the creatures say, oh, don't f*** with the forest. 
for me, I just associate the kind of swearing and that kind of language contrasted with the fantasy uh, tone. It comes across as comedy because the plot is very dark. So if it's not a comedy for me, but I would really think about the swearing parts of it as the word choices and try to really uh, consider if that comes across as a different way than what you intend. Or I would try to bring out more of the adventure aspects and maybe uh, not have her die such a dark death. So I, I feel like you have these two different tones here and that's what's either, they need to be either consolidated or one needs to be brought out or the other. And that, that's just my perspective on it. Other people might have uh, different perspectives. And, and I, I enjoyed this story from start to finish. It, it had a lot of action. It was cool to read. And I'm interested in learning about the uh, more about the adventures of Big Belly. So I have... <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll try to only share some. I mean, first of all, I was super excited to finally read some of your work. Um, it's been too long. And I feel like a lot of conversations I've had with you about other stories, um, you know, like Star Wars, you just have such a rich understanding of all the details of all these different worlds. So it was really cool seeing in your own writing just the way in which you have such, you know, a detailed expansive world filled with all these really interesting creatures also i mean izzy used the word imperial at one point and i think there is this undertone you don't quite get into all of the the dragon empire or whatever is going on here but i think it, you know if you continue this story and we see more of big belly and what he does i think there's this really interesting dragon empire that you could get into um and you have those rules like throughout your story here of, you know, the prohibition on the mating. I think, yes, like Izzy said, you could maybe add some details, but I thought as it is, it's just a really cool, like, kind of quick, oh, there's something bigger going on and there's this larger world. And this whole prologue just feels like a really cool introduction to to this world. So I'm really excited to see where where it goes from from here i think my glow uh my grow is i kind of want to piggyback off of sam i think the tone at times you kind of switch back and forth between like this more epic high fantasy kind of language and then going closer to you know more modern kind of fun slightly comedic stuff and i i think that can work I just recommended the TV show Willow to you, and I think that does combine the two in a really fun way. But I think, so my my specific grow would be at the end when all the creatures like confront the dragon and they basically say, don't mess with the forest, but using a word that us Peters do not use. I think that for me, um, that was the one moment where I was like, okay, I, I think I am just taken out of the story for a moment. I think you could work it in such a way as to just add and build on to the story. Once you kind of shore up the tone or you make the transitions between tone a little bit smoother. Um, but I think for me, and it did remind me of the one scene. So again, back to Willow, it's, it's a show that I think did the transition between like fun and kind of deep and serious really well. But they had a very similar scene where someone says a very similar line. And it was the only moment of the show where I was like, no, I'm out. Um, 
so I don't know, but that that again might be just like a a very subjective thing on my end. But yeah, in general, it was just super exciting to to finally read this, and I, I love the world. I have nothing bad to say about the world at all. It was really cool. I can't wait to see it further developed. I did want to second the discussion. Sorry, I did want to second the discussion about tone. Um, I was a little bit confused on what was the intended tone. It did seem to have a light comedic vibe to me, and then it had such a dark ending, and I wasn't quite sure what the intended plan was. I did really enjoy some of those moments, like, for example, I would say the part in the beginning when it's like, but he was known as Big Belly is kind of a comedic moment, and I thought that was awesome. Um, And I am a huge fan of short stories. I mean, I know this is a prologue, but when you have something that's short and a little bit dark, I do really like stories like that. I think it just needs a little bit more clarity. Yeah, maybe I didn't read it as comedy, but I think just because the start where it's talking about the nickname of Big Belly and the end line of, of don't, uh, don't screw with the forest, those two lines kind of sandwiching the story made it to me read as oddly lighthearted because those lines both sound much sillier in tone in this bloody action sequence and in this awful death in the middle. I think that's my perspective on it. And just to sort of add my take also is to agree with that when it switches between these different styles of wordage when you have this very archaic language next to some sometimes more modern language, I think that contributes to that. Yeah, and just again, like that is something that could totally, totally work. And I think you just need to you know, spend some time and do some editing and you, you very well could combine these tones and, and have this interesting story. I think it's very close to being there, just, you know, some time in editing. Yeah, I'd say I didn't read it as a comedy personally. Um, I mean, it felt like an action story, sort of like a Star Wars-esque, not not like fantasy, different, like not sci-fi at all. But it felt like I was going in expecting sort of a TV-14 story, and then it turned MA at the end, and I was like, oh, (laughs) but... I think that could just be tweaked a little bit with certain maybe clues dropped in towards the beginning to like, you know, sort of prompt the reader to think this is going to be a little bit more of a mature, darker themes, which I think are hinted like, um, I think Mel mentioned there were some villages burned or something, which I totally skipped. Like I read that and it fled my mind, but I think focusing a little bit more on those kind of darker aspects that are mentioned could flesh out the mature tone of the story. I found the line. Okay, so Masami has set out to do. Oh, wait, is, is it missing one? I don't know. To do good nieces. What did good nieces did when they learned that a group of petty rebels had refused the imperial word of their aunt? She was flying out to burn their homes, slash them to pieces, and present their heads of the largest one to Her Majesty. So, I just... I really, like, got that the tone was like, um, hello, I am a colonizer. 
I'm going to do bad things, but I think I'm in the right. And then everyone in the village is like, well, not the village, but everyone in like the forest is like, mm, we're unionizing, we're going to kill you. And I just thought it was like a really nice um, sort of, it wasn't preachy, it wasn't like too on the nose, but it sort of like enveloped all of these ideas of the land being the place of the people and these imperials, like literally imperial empire being like who think that they are better than everyone else being like um what was it yeah thinking that they can make this land that is home to so many creatures because you list all of the creatures like that they can make this land their basically summer home like i and like i really remembered burn their homes because i was like who are they fighting are they dragons or are they different creatures and like eventually we learned that they're not the dragons but at that point I was like dragons shouldn't make their homes out of things that can burn so I remember that line but yeah there's like really brutal things like all the way through like the describing words when you describe how she's being like pierced like by all of these creatures underneath her scales and like on the base of her wing and she's like trying desperately to get them off I thought that it was just like a really like epic story all the way through and I didn't really read anything as comedy maybe I'm desensitized to swearing because I watched the entirety of Critical Role but like um I I was absolutely in love with that line, um, with the swearing. I just, yeah, I I really like the tone. And I really don't know why everyone else thinks it's a comedy. But if it's just, like, the swearing and, like, not used to seeing, like, fantasy that's normally, like, I don't know, The Hobbit. Like, if there was swearing in The Hobbit, it would be quite funny. But this isn't The Hobbit. Um, and I thought that just knowing all of these things in the back of my mind about how like empires have historically done this to indigenous communities like having that moment where they fight back and say hey screw you um and like the fact that it wasn't attributed to an individual but like to the collective by having it not be one of the specific characters and just like having it dangle there i i like it was literally a moment where i commented hell yeah like this is what I'm here for and yeah it was great <laughs> sorry I, I don't mean to be like hey I think all of you are wrong but I just don't I didn't get that vibe so like obviously there are some things that are making you guys think that it's um more light-hearted in tone maybe it's the fact that she's a very light-colored dragon I don't know but I I would be really sad if my favourite line was taken out. Well, it's not my favourite line. That's a different line. Um, but my second favourite line was taken out of the story because everyone was like, this seems a bit comedic. Like, I really like it. And that's my thoughts. Okay. I guess for me, I also sort of felt the tone was a little strange. But I think... I don't know if it's just the swearing specifically. I think it's a little... It's like... um. I think it's maybe the dragon's, some of the dragon's thought processes where she's, um, kind of just super casually thinking about everything else. I, I, it just feels like that. Um, like she doesn't think, she's not worried that 
uh, or she she is worried, obviously, because she's trying to get these things off, but she's just saying, oh, another thing on my arm. Oh, no. I don't know. That's just, that's uh, not in those words specifically, but that is a little bit kind of what it felt like to me. And then all of a sudden, she's dead. It just feels like she doesn't have, or the tone and the dragon don't have the right re or as um severely upset or as upset of a reaction that they should i guess um so i think that was part of the problem with the tone for me um but yeah so but i think like everyone else said i think it it could work i think and i think you could keep in the swearing but um i think it was just that the i don't know the dragon seemed a bit too casual about her death and maybe that was i think that was what had it for me yeah on the one hand i'd say from the dragon's perspective which is mostly what we're limited to with the story it makes sense that she would minimize the seriousness of everything that has been done to the forest creatures and wouldn't take it seriously but i think for the readers there isn't enough signaling that what she perceives is not the reality so that when the the forest creatures start listing their grievances of everything that has gone wrong I wasn't fully prepared for this and I was like this feels like a boatload of things that should have been woven in a little bit more in like showing contradictions in the way that she's thinking or showing um maybe a part of the forest that was burned down I don't know and the final line like just felt like it was unearned a little bit because all of the grievances and the seriousness that was the reality of what the forest creatures are dealing with was ignored by the dragon and also kind of ignored by the narrative and not signaled enough to the readers. So it felt like, to me, this is where we should have ended up, but it didn't feel like we skipped some of the stepping stones to get there. And from what I had read it, at least how I had read it, because not enough of the contradictions between the dragon's point of view showed, like, the actual cracks in her worldview. And, like, I didn't know why they felt like, like, obviously she was coming to kill them. Um, so, of course, they would respond to defend themselves. But it felt a little bit more of, like, a straightforward kind of a T-bone in a sense where she was just like a little bit too obtuse uh, or like when she's literally sitting on the tree and she's like let me have a snack and it's all very light-hearted for a paragraph or two even though she's literally about embarking on a death mission like murder mission and that also felt like I mean, tonal shift, but also, like, there wasn't enough of a reason. Like, maybe she's been under a lot of stress recently because we've been dealing with lots of rebel attacks or something like that to explain why she needs to offload like this. So I think that was part of it. Because, of course, I think it should be kept in that she minimizes all the impacts of her actions and the actions of the dragons. But... The reverse just wasn't set up properly for me, at least. I have a question for the other um, reviewers, I'll say. The moment when the dragon is sort of just totally loses track of what she's there to do and is just like, 
thinking about going for a swim and stuff. Did that feel out of character? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely like, okay, this is not that relevant. But I may have missed something, and I'm also still like tired from being in Colombia for a week, so I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't quite pin down if it was just that I felt like it was out of character. Because on one hand, she's a dragon, and she has a certain uh, allowance to be carefree, because she's such a powerful being. Um, so in that sense, it could be plausible. But on the other hand, she has this royal duty she's supposed to be fulfilling and to just get suddenly sidetracked also seemed kind of weird. So I wasn't quite sure what verdict to pull on that section for, if I, for the characterization aspect. I did think it was kind of nice in describing in, in world-building terms because it does kind of show... The beauty of this place, which I think is cool juxtaposed next to all of the both planned and actual atrocities that happen in the story, but I just wasn't sure about the characterization part. I agree. I think that, well, I actually wrote this down um, to possibly use a micro, but I thought that it was, I guess the transition to her starting to laze about wasn't... Uh, it, it was kind of confusing. Um, uh, uh, similar to what Caitlin was just saying, it started out, she started out with a very clear goal and it really felt like she was, she, she had very big reasons behind actually do, uh, um, realizing this goal. And then all of a sudden she just starts, she starts to laze about and doesn't really, as she gets distracted. Um, and I think maybe, it could make more sense if maybe she there's something specific that distracts her because it just feels like she decides to rest out of nowhere. But maybe if there's like a, a sharp twill of twill of a bird or something, um, trill of a bird, um, that gets her to notice the beauty of the forest rather than her just deciding, uh, let me just look at the beauty of the forest now. Um, maybe might help that because. At first, when I was reading this part, I thought, oh, it's just a transition to when she's actually going to go continue her mission. But then it actually led to the rest of the story. And so I think I think it probably needs a better transition to get to that point. Okay, shall we move on to our favorite lines? I'm seeing thumbs up from Caitlin, so it shall be. Okay, so... I love imagery, and there's a line in here that has beautiful imagery. Um, and trees, which I also love. The trees rose a mere 30 feet high, but each leaf held a mixture of red shades threaded with orange, and when the wind blew through the branches, it looked like the tree chops were aflame. I like that. That's great, in my opinion. <laughs> so cool. Upstate New York vibes. Uh, yeah, I really like the line that Nepadra stood proud, ready to fight side by side, ready to return to the earth, leaving behind only the songs that they had put to the wind in their corpses. I thought that was very uh, poetic. Mine is more of a, a section of a sentence that really stood out to me, and it was the bit where it goes, Flash her scales to the crowd, 
I just, it created such a clear picture in my head of like the society and the world and just like this pompous little dragon strutting her stuff. I really loved it. So my actual favorite line was also Caitlin's line. Um, just to say on that, it was really, I don't know, it was very clear imagery and it was really nice. I don't know. It was just um, on it, it, the, the way you put the words, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I haven't seen the um, it uh, said that way before, but to say another one since um, that, yeah, has already been said. I really liked, so this is also sort of a part of a sentence. It's the beginning. Um, you say, she bled a tiny rainstorm of, storm of red droplets. And I don't know, that was also a very clear image. And I, th I thought it was a very clever way of saying um, that she was bleeding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can go. I'm going to do one um, for the Nepodra because I love their description. I mean, it makes me think of the tea dragon society, which is like little dragons that grow tea plants on their back. It's amazing. They make tea out of the leaves that they grow. Um, check it out. It's a webcomic and an actual book. Anyway, this reminded me a lot of it. Well, I'll just read the first. It's the first sentence is like four words, so I'll read that too. It was the Nepodra of both plant and flesh. They were as varied as the evier. An eight-foot lizard with black wooden scales stood next to a buffalo with grass instead of fur, next to a flat-toothed lion with a mane of vines. At their front was a bear with pine needles for fur and roots rather than claws. Okay, it was a paragraph. But I love how the attention to detail with even making the lion have flat teeth because it's an herbivore is just great. So that was my favorite part. So... I don't know what my favorite line is because there's so many cool stuff in here. I was originally going to do something about the, the guardians because they're plants and as a gardener, I, I did not like them. But I think at the end, there's a line from one of the creatures when they're confronting the dragon. I'm not sure if it's the Evier or the, the Napodra, but they say, we would not wear the chains you would forge for us. And I just, I think it's so interesting that this is, I mean, it's past tense, but it could also refer to something in the future. But I think it's just interesting, like, you know, this is, it's in a prologue. So there's, there's this sense that like this happened before, or like even within the context of this specific moment, like, um, you know, have they already thrown off these chains? Are they preparing to throw off the chains? Um, is this what they're doing, like, in this moment now? I feel like this is something that might come up in, uh, in Nemec's manifesto from Andor, and I just, I, I thought it was really interesting just, like, seeing and thinking about it for a moment. I think everyone went, so, Andy, now is your time. If you have any, anything you want to respond to or clarify... Uh, yeah, so I don't, so first thing I want to say, which is not really a response so much it is like 
this is going to be a very obscure thing that I'm going to say. And the fact that I'm even recommending them in the same sentence is a bit of a spoiler, but uh, this is like lightly, lightly based off of a foreign film, a Brazilian film called Baccarat. Um, and it is entirely in Brazilian, or not entirely, it's mostly in Brazilian, so you'll, ha- so you'll have to deal with subtitles. Um, but I cannot recommend this movie enough. Um, and I won't say any more than that, because any, any more than that would be a serious spoiler. But I recommend that movie, especially to Mel, based off a few things she said. Um, I, I, I sincerely, like, this is like, and you'll, you'll see the parallels by the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that is like, I really recommend that movie, um, to anyone who enjoyed this short story or not the short story, the prologue. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, there you go. Um, so if you if you've seen it, then you, you then you know. Um, uh, but the uh, uh, so yeah, that's 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 my little tidbit, and I should have in, included that in in the introduction, but I didn't because I didn't think to say it. Um, I really I, I appreciate. Um, uh, uh, Mel also caught me on the like the the, the modernism, so the smell of ozone, and so forth. I that's a real problem for me. <laughs> um, uh, like I do that all the time, and I wrote I write mostly in high fantasy settings or in like semi high fantasy settings. Um, and like yeah, I, I definitely need to watch that a little bit. I also I think that part of the issue not with not with tone is that like I I have issues with POV sometimes. Whereas this is set in a third person. Uh, shifting wherein it's third person limited depending upon the paragraph it's a different character uh, and i think that like i screw that up in a couple places i'd noticed on my read and i think that creates confusion uh and i think that especially like if getting rid of the meanwhile altogether and like making it uh, making it clear from the start the the, the 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 that the pov is third shifting i think is and i think that's not done strongly enough so i hope that i can improve on that in the future um and yeah and just in terms of the tone like i completely get what everyone was saying like i think there's a, a couple different directions to come at it from uh if anyone's curious i didn't include it uh in, intend it as a comedy per se like there are jokes and comedic elements in there there's things that i think are like darkly humorous in places um and there's definitely a a, a light-hearted bit to markelia who doesn't doesn't understand what the heck is happening here um but i can also see like a, a certain dissonance which i intend i intend there to be a dissonance in text between the world of in markelia's brain and the, the the realities on the ground and the different types of creatures and how they view the situation uh the guardians don't view this the same way that the napoder or the evier do and the thunder wayne has its own perspective um so it is a community in the forest as much as it is from markelia and there's so there's like there's intention there but i agree that there's a a muddying in places and i think fixing the pov it will improve that um y'all didn't necessarily need this my full response but this is just like this is just um like i i I agree with basically everything you said on just like and this is uh and i think that there's like and i think establishing sort of earlier on like that this is not a dark comedy by any stretch, but the the the, the, the sort of the darkness uh, uh, inherent in the story. But there's also like, and again, I think this is something that I I'm really going to struggle with over the course of the story. Is that it's also in places it's about a baby dragon next because the the egg hatches. And it's a baby dragon. He gets to meet all the forest creatures. And to him, they're his fun aunts and uncles um, uh, who are around. But then they're also like, there is, 
they're they're like uh, uh, people who've escaped a, a a massive like genocide of their people, uh, and this is a dragon in their midst who's killing their creature, uh, who's killed a lot of the a lot of their friends, not not him specifically, but his his people. So there's 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 definitely a purposeful dissonance there that I'm trying to trying desperately to balance, and I appreciate I can see where it, it like is working in places and and it, and it isn't in others, and that's that's going to be a, a book long struggle for me with this work. So I'm I I hope to pull it off uh, a, a little more ably in future. Um, but that's the, that's the intention there. In case anyone was was uh, was curious, um, I don't and, and I, I I'm I'm trying not to be defensive or anything. This is just like my off the cuff response. And I hope that's that's coming through because um, I, I I always appreciate the criticism. Um, so that's 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 I, so thank you all also by the way for your for your for your work and for your uh, for your critiques. I appreciated all of them, uh, and they will be they will be well noted for the future. So before we finish up today's episode, I wanted to quickly shout out an author and her book. So the author is named Drama Diorik. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. I'm sure I have. And her book is called Entheophage. So I'll share a little bit about the book and its description on her website. So Entheophage. Dr. Isabel Phelan thinks she's found a treatment that will help her son and others suffering from Milani syndrome, a rare neurological disorder. What she doesn't realize is that harvesting the source of this treatment in the only accessible place on earth it grows, a coral reef in the Lan Islands, is going to have consequences far beyond the disruption of the fragile ecosystem on one small reef. CDC researcher Nadine Parker and her team are baffled. Lucas Ben's daughter, Kendra, has contracted a bizarre new virus that leaves her screaming in pain, but they can't identify any physical, biological source for that pain. Not in Kendra, not in the dozens, then hundreds, and finally millions of children worldwide succumbing to the same virus. And no one seems to have made a connection between what's happening with the infected children and the events on a small coral reef in the South Pacific. Eventually, Nadine has to face the unlikely truth, and the enormous implications of it. The children aren't sick, they're changing, but will anyone else believe her? So you can find the book all over, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, um, I got my copy from Barnes & Noble, the website will also tell you like where else you can get it if you prefer to get it somewhere else, so I recommend you check out her website. N-I-V-E-Y-M-A-R-T-S dot com. I will also leave a link for that in the description of the episode. And I'll also leave links to her Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so you can check all of those out as well. Also on her website, you can sign up for her newsletter. The newsletter is monthly, it has environmental articles, updates on her work, it's free. I signed up for it as well. You sign up for it on the website. It's very interesting. So I recommend you check that out as well. And finally, thank you to Gemma for sharing your work with us. Thank you so much for listening to Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. I hope that you enjoy the episode and that you enjoyed Andy's story. I know I enjoyed finally getting to read something of Andy's. He's a really interesting person to talk to about all the different stories that we've we've read or watched. 
You can find exclusive episodes on our Patreon, and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. The Instagram page is really cool. Mel has been doing an amazing job with it, so please do check it out. We'll be back May 15th with another interview with a guest I'm really excited to share with you. But until then, don't let the day drag on. Yeah, I think just some clarity. Um, oh, no, not yet, Andy. Um, I mean, we have time. I want to see if anyone else has anything to, to say before we do our, our favorite lines and then you speak. Um, 